from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. We take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. And I'm Evan Eerbaker, as always, with Pastor Steve Mickle here in the studio. Hi, Steve. Hello. Good to be here. Uh, great to uh, talk to you after you delivered our vision message for the year. Yeah, I was excited to be able to preach it after that heavy, heavy message I gave the last week. That was a heavy one. It felt really heavy. Four times. <laughs> Sorry, it's not it funny. Heavy. It was heavy four times. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a suck, Steve. <laughs> Sounds awful. Can you imagine doing a really bad message four different times? I'm not saying that one was bad. I'm just saying, imagine like you just know that this is not connecting and you have to pre Can it. I imagine or have I imagined? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> going to keep running this thing out there. <laughs> or is that what I face every time I speak? <laughs> yeah, the, the listeners are going to are gonna email you guys and say, yeah, we know what messages he's talking about, actually. <laughs> if he doesn't... <laughs> no, we know. So, do you like talking about vision? You like talking about kind of the big picture? No, the hills I don't take? actually, Ben. It's a hard, one of the hardest um, messages for me to prepare and give. Um, and I was talking, I was listening to a, a thing by Bill Hybels, who um, pastors a really large church back east, and he talks a lot about leadership and vision. And he said, vision is by far the hardest talk mm. to prepare and give for. Um, pastors because we're so used to doing other things. Um, Whereas scripture is kind of at the center and everything flows out of that vision is where do you see the church going and and how are we going to get there and um, it may have scripture but it may not and mm-hmm. it's just a it's right. a tough tough thing it's for a little me more to us do. specific as opposed to yeah here's the text this is what Jesus is saying to these people and this is how we interpret it. it's about it is it's kind of about West Side Church yeah. obviously and wrapped in Jesus yeah and 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 you know, I'm not an organization guy. I'm not like, you know, I believe in the church, but the church is made up of people that have vision and passion and mission in their life. And that, and that, and corporately that creates the church. This idea that, that a church is an organization with a vision and mission of its own mm-hmm. has always been kind of, kind of awkward for me. That is true. Like when Jesus lays out pretty clearly what our vision for the earth is and what our mission should be. Yeah. Do we need to add to it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because we've talked about every church really has the same vision and mission yeah. to make disciples, <laughs> right? Evangelize and disciple. Kind of doesn't change. Right. Um, but what's the nuances, I so guess? How we uh, ra- wrap it up. Is it about context, like where we are at specifically in Bend, Oregon? Yeah, and I think for every church, there's there's different, like some churches focus in on um, worship or some churches focus in on just evangelism and some, you know, that kind of thing. And so you kind of have to figure out what, what yeah. part of the mission you're really more geared for. And, and so, and I, and I, I, I rejoice in the diversity of churches in our town because all of them have a little nuance of different vision and mission and how it's implemented. So, and that brings up a good question to me as a church, should we focus on trying to be good at, you know, the fivefold ministry? Should we try to have all that present in this building or is it something that in a community there's 10 churches and we're going to cover it together? Yeah, I think we're covering it together. I don't know why else um, God would allow and encourage um, multiple churches forming that have such different theology as well as practice is let's let's zero in on what it is that we're called to and not and unapologetically go after it 
you know, I, I hear people sometimes say that, you know, West Side's only evangelistic and kind of, I've actually heard this two weeks ago, the fluff church. And, um, and, and, they, and they were surprised. <laughs> they the person came. You. Yeah, yeah. The person came and they said, yeah, I'm a little surprised about the content because I heard it was the fluff church. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> but we are gifted at bringing, seeing people that are unchurched come into our church. Um, come to Jesus, start being discipled, and then and then realize I think I might need something else to continue, mm-hmm. and um, and you know and and so that's something we've actually embraced. We probably don't intentionally like you know help people move on, um, but we don't you know anytime somebody comes to me and says, hey, I don't think this church is for me anymore. Um, I'm going to Journey Church, or you know I'm going to New Hope, or I'm going to Antioch. You know what I do? I mean, like legitimately, I rejoice. I'm like. Go in there and get connected and and find your purpose there. Yeah. Um, and because that's something to be, you know, if they're not doing it here, then they need to do it somewhere, you know? Yeah. I always so. find the idea of a depth of a spiritual walk to be an interesting conversation anyway. And I just did a, a sermon series about spiritual maturity with young adults because it's such a a vague thing even now in my mind. Like, what does it mean that I'm becoming more spiritually mature? Because you just talked about it. Jesus lays out our walk with him pretty simply. It's go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the yep. name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And love like him. Exactly. And, and so sometimes we feel like we get to this point where I'm like, man, I just feel like you're not taking me deep enough. Yeah, so what, what, that, is, what, what does that mean? What that means typically, Ben, in my experience has been, I want you to tell me um, what the Hebrew means, what the Greek means, how it all connects, why it was written in the first place. That's what they mean by deep. When, but here's my standard response now. I heard Andy Stanley say this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing this. When anybody says, <laughs> hey, I need, to, I need deeper, I need something deeper in my church, I'm going to say, um, you need to go um, and get involved in foster care system because you'll be in over your head and scripture will mean completely different things to you right. as a result of that. If you want deep, go there. Serve right. um, in an area that you're in over your head and mm-hmm. then you'll run to scripture for yourself, yeah. not needing the preacher to tell you what to think right. about it because you're in a desperate state and need And help. it makes sense because that's exactly what happened to the disciples, right? They were they did sit down, they were taught by the rabbi and they spent time with him and walked with him. And then when they reached a certain point where Jesus left, he was just like, all right, now go do it. Yeah, even and before he left, Ben, he had his, I mean, he's constantly sending people out to practice because um, serving is where um, our theology is best expressed yeah. and yeah. learned. And for those that want to be more intellectually, you know, stimulated or a, a sense of learning, I think that can be legitimate. But don't confuse that with spiritual growth. Yeah. Um, just because you are Maybe learning, that's the way to put it. Learning yeah. the Greek doesn't mean you're becoming more like Jesus. <laughs> you might be intellectually getting smarter, and that's great. I think there's absolutely value to that. And sometimes but they're not one and the same, right? Sometimes it's that we want to be told what to do too, right? <laughs> like I want you to to give me the secrets to the sauce a little bit so I can go out and I now I have access to this specific task that I can perform to feel a certain way. Um which is why it, it really gets back to the way of Jesus. And we've talked about this in some of our meetings that, you know, Jesus should be a stumbling block. So are we presenting Jesus yeah. in an honest enough way so people can come to him and then they can trip on him because <laughs> yep. they're, they're not even getting that far because following Jesus really is the, the difficult part. Yeah. I mean, start doing what Jesus did and, and then talk to me after you're doing all of that about knowing more about the Bible. Um, why do we, you know, we bypass the way of Jesus to learn more about the Bible. It's almost an excuse. Yeah. That's um, a good way to put it. You know, it. Yeah. to, to not, 
um, be used by God in the way that Jesus was. I mean, when he says to the rich guy, hey, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, then, you know, then you'll have rich, real riches, right? And it's like, uh, no, I'd rather just know stuff, you know, and, and not do stuff. And Jesus is constantly pressing us to do stuff, to serve. We'd rather be Paul before his conversion as Saul <laughs> than we would afterwards, right? Because before, he's learned, he's religious, he's wealthy, he's influential. And he's attacking Christians. And he's doing everything doing, wrong. Who are doing the stuff. The enemy of Christ. And how often <laughs> does that happen in real life yeah. where the, the, the primary attackers of church today are the people that want the deeper teaching, I, I, in my opinion. They're the ones that they're, they're judging society, they're judging churches, they're instead of actually doing. I mean, I, I want to be, and I'm not, but I want to be so busy, not busy in the sense of like just activity, activity, but I want to I be so focused on serving people that I don't have time to think about, you know, what did, what, what does Leviticus really mean to today? Right. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't have time to think about that. Yeah. You know, um, I'm busy doing what Jesus did, or I'm trying to be. That sounds arrogant. Right. I'm not, and because I'm not there yet. But I just, I, I, I want the church to think about their mission, their purpose, live it out, and uh, and all the other stuff will come along with it, right. in my opinion. But, but after you figure out why you're here. So where does a good, healthy depth in teaching come from? You know, so we can answer it that way. But I think we've all experienced teaching where we've been sitting in seats and going. Mm, this isn't that there is no depth and this isn't what I'm looking for. And this isn't, so what does it come from? Because we are intentional about our teaching, obviously, and we're not trying to be surface level. So where, what is that balance maybe in there? How do we teach well with serious depth without trying to just teach ourselves into doing that all the time? Yeah, that's a great question. But one of the things that I think the speaking team tries to do in every message is we think about the, we th- we're, we're thinking about constantly who's out in the audience. And we know that there are long, long time Christians out in the audience. And so as we're, as we're thinking about messages, we'll try to put in at least a truth or two that go a little bit below the, the surface a deeper kind of idea that maybe they haven't thought about or they didn't know or they, you know, and bring that to bear for those. Um, but we're not going to create an entire message on that. I like to say, I'm going to say this weekend that one of the foundations of faith is practical teaching. So, you know, we've all set in teaching that's really deep and really knowledgeable and very intellectual, but they didn't tell me anything that will help me on Monday. And so for us, our primary focus is how is the scripture going to bear on my life tomorrow? How, how, does, it, mm-hmm. how does it change me um, in my relationships, in my, in my work, at, at my school, um, in my connections? How does, that, how does the Bible impact my life right. right now? I don't need to know how it impacted somebody right. 500 years ago as much as I need to know how it impacts me today. I think a good example of this is Bob Goff. His teaching is – you know, just at surface level. Talk about fluff. Pretty fluffy, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. It shouldn't work. <laughs> it shouldn't and it's work. awesome. Yeah. But because, so because of how uh, he has chosen to live his life and how it plays out and the effect of that, you realize, oh wait, this isn't, doesn't have to be big words and incredibly deep intellectual turf to actually matter a whole lot to the mission of Christ and yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, it's what, what's going to transform a community yeah. is love, like yeah. Bob, Bob talks about all the time, like yeah. all the time. He doesn't say anything else. Right. Um, and, and, and yet he, I would say he's probably one of the deepest, he's one of the Christians that's swimming in the deepest 
end of the pool because of love. Right. Right. And this is, this is what Jesus does. And I love what we're about to step into in the way of Jesus. It's these parables that Jesus taught. They seem so surface level, but as we've noticed, uh, just in our speaking team meetings, talking through these, uh, there is layer after layer that you can unpack or that you cannot unpack. Uh, and the way that Jesus taught these things is infinitely complex and yet so simple. It's so simple. And you know, one of the things I think to go back to what Ben's talking about with deep is that the asking questions and you know, I learned long time ago that the preacher isn't the one that's the the smartest guy in the room when it comes to biblical literacy. Um, And that's not important to me. What's important to me is how has biblical truth filtered through the guy or gal that's on the stage's life. And that's what I want to know. Yeah. And then I want to, and then I want to practice that. But I'll be honest, I've discipled in many ways myself through teachings from pastors, through my own Bible reading, through books that I have read. Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility, not a church's responsibility to help me become more like Jesus. That makes sense. And so I think this yeah. idea of personal discipleship, um, the spiritual disciplines, um, it's on me. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't blame anyone for my lack of faith or mm-hmm. my lack of growth in Christ yeah. um, besides myself. It's not the church's fault. It's not Westside's fault or Journey's fault or anybody's fault. It's, it's, my, it's my responsibility right. to grow. And I think Wayne Cordero in his book, The Divine Mentor, talks about that, how you can be mentored uh, if you're looking for it by centuries of people walking through and making the mistakes that you're about to step into, you can learn from that and draw from that and grow from that. It doesn't have to be my senior pastor has to be the the yeah. one that leads it's me. Exactly and right. Me. If you're if you're if you want to be discipled, you should be, in my opinion, a a ferocious reader. Yeah. I mean, I just finished um, yeah. another book by Brennan Manning. Ruthless trust, yeah. and this guy is discipling me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I had to pick up the book and read it, and allow the words to to change me, to cause me to think. And and to the discussion about parables that we're launching into, we need to ask questions. We need to ask more questions. You know why? Why did Jesus use this story? What is he trying to say? What does this mean and that mean within the embedded in the in the parables? And not expect, okay, Pastor, I'm ready. I got my notes out. Tell me what it means. Yeah, I would rather give somebody hunger yeah. to discover what the word says for themselves than giving them all the answers. Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather cast out a question that's compelling enough, and they go, I want to know the answer to that, and I want to know it so badly that I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to do my own research. And yeah. I'm going to I'm going to find you know I'm going to find five other people that maybe have written something about that script. You know that kind of yeah. thing. Or I'm going to in my blue group. I'm going to talk. I'm going to bring up that question and see what everybody else thinks. You know, um, what a wonderful journey that would be. I think in Christianity. And the method of Jesus is very similar to throw out a question or stir up a hunger or a thought in somebody's mind. And that the only practical response for them is say, I got to follow him to find out more. Yes. You know, man, that's that there. That's the key to discipleship right there. This idea that I want to know more or be more or become more. So I'm going to follow this guy that seems to have um, answers to questions he's asking, but he's not telling me immediately the answer. This is one of the dilemmas we have at Westside Um, is, is the 2000, 3000 people that come on a weekend. Are they in, in the terminology of Jesus? Are they, are they followers of Jesus? Are they the crowd? Are they the Peter, John and James that are had a little bit more inner circle? And the reality is it's all of them. So in essence, it is the, in my opinion, it's the crowd. 
because you have everybody there. Just like when Jesus talked to the crowds, everybody was there. Peter right. was there as well as um, Tim, as well as Thomas, as well as the crowd. And so that's a dilemma that we face at Westside is because um, Jesus didn't tell them he didn't give the crowd any answers <laughs> none i mean he sure. told stories you guys that were just like and he doesn't give the punchline he says the kingdom of god is like a little mustard seed there you go <laughs> <laughs> seriously and then he walks away and and only those that were curious enough yeah. that wanted to know more followed him into the back room so to speak and go um what what were you talking about <laughs> why is it like that mm. Um, but the crowd doesn't do that. Yet we in the church feel this pressure on a Sunday. We've got to give them everything right. to the crowd. And yet Jesus didn't even do that. <laughs> and I think that they were forced. And I've been trying to put myself into this position as a disciple of Christ recently of just considering Jesus, like the writer of Hebrews talks about, that you would that you would go because he endured the cross, he despised the shame, that now that you would, because of all those things, that you would stop and that you would consider Jesus. And for the early church and the disciples who didn't have Paul's writings yet, you know, they didn't have a lot of this stuff. They weren't going off of the Old Testament writings either because this was a new thing that mm-hmm. Jesus had done. So they were forced to stop and really consider the life of Jesus and not just put it in one context. They were they were they were given this idea of, yeah, well, you know, he told us to go in if they don't receive us also to, to dust up our shoes of the place and walk away. Oh, and also, you know, he talks about leaving the 99 to go and find the one. And, you know, how do we put all these things together? You have to stop and consider the, the spectrum that is Jesus. Yeah. The way of Jesus, you have to stop and consider his way and, and, and lean in if you want and don't, if you don't, you know, I mean, I don't think Jesus ever forced anybody yet in the church. We kind of press people make a decision, you know, are you in or are you out? And Jesus was really comfortable with letting people hang around Mm -hmm. for a long time before they made that decision. I mean, I actually think it was at the, towards the end of his three years of ministry that his actual followers made that decision. Yeah. I mean, I think it was almost all three years before, before he had that moment with Peter, who do you say that I am? That was right before his crucifixion. And that was the moment for Peter. That was the raising the hand, the coming to the altar and saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've, I've been checking you out yeah. and I've been, and I've been, I've been, you know, kind of practicing this thing. I've been watching you, but now I'm ready to really believe. And, um, and I think that, I think we need to give people space in the church, um, to journey. It's so hard as a preacher, right? Yep. Yeah, to to end it like that. We've talked about that, like you referenced the teaching team, that Jesus just kind of dropped the bomb sometimes. What would happen if that happened on at Westside where we told maybe half a sermon and said, all right. <laughs> you call it a half a See sermon. later. <laughs> it was for Jesus, it was a full sermon. But yeah, we call exactly. it a half for a sermon. For us, it would be a half a sermon, yeah. <laughs> well, and you look at any any of the churches that get that reputation of being surfacey or, you know, whether Joel Osteen or other mega, mega churches, and they say, well, they never, I mean, it's all self-help fluffy stuff or whatever the criticisms are. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the parables of Jesus. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe they're onto something. You yeah. Know? You know, I think we have to be really careful about criticizing yeah. the move of God in other places because of that very reason. Right. I mean, I just think there's, Jesus clearly showed us that there's many different ways 
to teach. There's many different ways to, I mean, sometimes he healed an entire village and other times he healed one guy in a city. I mean, it was just, there's no rule to this thing. There's no like, do this. You know, I, I laugh whenever I hear people say, yeah, we just got to get back to the early church. And I'm like, what is that? And so you're going to die first. You're going to be persecuted <laughs> and killed for your faith. Okay. We, that we know. Also, Everything no else. child care. <laughs> there was none. <laughs> no That's a, yeah. I'm not willing to go back. <laughs> <laughs> the screaming kids in the crowd. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't deal with this now. No air conditioning. Let's go back. Um, you talked about in your in your message this idea of of success as we head into this next season. In your mind, what is a success for not even just the church as a whole, but specifically for Westside Church? Yeah, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is life change, and I. You know, it's hard to it's hard to track success in in spiritual communities. Um, but at the, every time I hear a story of somebody's life changing or somebody's life helping change and transform another life, um, it's a win. Yeah, I, I I I don't pat myself on the back because it's not us, right? It's Jesus doing the changing. But that for me is a sign of a healthy community of faith is when people are being transformed. There's they're not the same tomorrow as they were today. Um, you know, their marriages are are strengthening. Their the the schools that they're a part of. It are more vibrant. Um, you know, there's just, there's actual transformation that you can point to mm. um, of people that are in our church. That would be the, that would be one of the primary things. Stories. I just, I love hearing stories. It, it encourages me every time I hear a story. And you know, I just got yeah. a card this morning as I was coming in the office, opened it up. It was from a longtime member of our church um, and, and reflecting on how much he's changed over the last year and a half as he's journeyed with us through our change. And, uh, and so that's, you know, that's, yay God, man. That's like, come on, that's, that's yeah. a win, you know? So it's awesome. I loved, uh, the only part I loved about your message. No, I, one of the things <laughs> I liked, don't worry, Susie has the same, <laughs> uh, when you, <laughs> what Susie, is it with our wives? Susie, what's the, the one thing that you liked about this message? <laughs> Let me think about that. That's a pretty high bar. To find My one wife thing. just goes, what did you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was on Instagram the whole time. Uh, you said in your message that our story is just as much about I was blind as it is now I see. And I thought about that, that we want to rush past the I was blind or gloss over it or make it look more sanitized or something. But really, it's the, the story of our redemption through Christ is about where we were, the pit that we fell in, yeah, exactly. where we came yeah. from, there's right? No, there's nothing else. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to know the redemptive work of Christ, the creative work of Christ to redeem us. I want to know that, but I also need to know that, okay, I was in the pit. I was in prison. I was blind. I was hopeless. I was in despair. Um, I was discouraged. I didn't think there was any, a way through. Yeah. I need to know that part of the story, yeah. um, and it's part of all of our story. Um, and because if, we, if, you, if you just eliminate that and go like, yeah, God healed me, and like, of what? I mean, because maybe I have the same thing or maybe somebody I know. So I think it's hugely important. I don't think we need to be more broken in order to be more healed. But there's something powerful when we um, are able to communicate even before we're healed completely right. mm. that I am in process. Yeah. I am moving in that direction. And I'm not, I may not be on the other side of it yet, but, but, I, but do we have to be before God will use our pain? Right. And our, and, and and our it, it made me think of us as Christians on the other side of like that moment where we come to Christ, we're, I think, so rushed to pull people over the line. 
And I just wondered when you said that, like, is it okay for us just to sit with people on the, on the wrong side, so to speak, quote unquote, of that line of faith, just to be with them? I mean, isn't, is that, isn't that the way of Jesus? You that's, just, you just the, sit with people. Yeah, that's the gospel there. It's the gospel comes, is birthed out of suffering. Hmm. It's not in spite of suffering. Right. It comes, that's there. That's where it happens. That's where, that is where it's, the seed is embedded into the ground and it begins hmm. to have fruit is there. This whole idea of, of I'm on one side one day and then I'm on the next side the next day is, is a false idea that we have promoted because of the whole raising hands, make a decision kind sure. of thing. I actually believe a decision is made over time. Mm. Um, I, I've, I've had to remake a decision I thought I made when I was 10 years old yeah. over the last 19 months. I've had to remake that decision in a real way. Like I still believe kind of feel to it. And so it's like – I don't think there's a side. I don't think there's side. And then you become a Christian. Oh, I, I'm not supposed to be addicted anymore. Right. Oh, nobody told me that. I just <laughs> I I thought that was I thought God was just supposed to turn that desire off. Right. And you find yourself still broken, even after faith in Christ. And then what do you do? Because the, in the church, that's not acceptable. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, man, we are still broken. You know. I mean, at, at the same time, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, because of who? Because of Jesus. But I'm still broken. I'm still work, I'm still figuring this thing out, and Jesus is still healing me every single day. And I think that that is freedom, when I don't feel like I have to arrive somewhere, but that Jesus is right with me in the journey. And those times remind us about the power of God anyway, that a lot of this is on Him, and it's not just a self-help program where we can try to get out of this, and all of a sudden I'm free from addiction just because I raised my hand. I think AJ Swoboda talks about this in his book, A Glorious Dark, which changed my life in thinking specifically about the the Easter story. And he spends a lot of time talking about Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday when I've really thought my whole life like, we're a Sunday people, you know? And that's obviously where we get to live. Jesus is risen, all those things. But he talks about the importance of embracing Friday and why Good Friday, even at his church, is so important because you got to you got to be okay with being there, with being in that unknown, super dark area, understanding that Jesus can come through, but it's not just, we don't put on this fake face to say, well, you know, that's okay. We're not really struggling with addiction, even though we really are. Um, but it's, that's a real moment. And that's what makes Sunday. That's what makes the greatness of Jesus ultimately. As yeah, as you're is. right, Ben. And I'm struggling with getting to Sunday, to be honest, and figuring out how do we not live on Friday? Mm. Like live, live, you know, like forever live. Um, cause I, cause we could say Sunday's heaven, you know, and that, and I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I want Sunday today. I want, I want the light to come on today. And so, um, even as I'm thinking about Easter this year already, I'm, I'm praying through, you know, how do we experience light in the midst of darkness and the light dispels the darkness? Does that mean the darkness is gone, gone? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just, it's very, it's a, it's a tension I'm living with of how do we live in the light when it feels so dark sure. without being um, giving pat answers and easy solutions and just follow the light <laughs> and everything will not be dark anymore. It's not, that's not true. At least it hasn't been in my life. So how do we, how do we, how do we live both Friday and Sunday? Hmm. Um, even at the same time, hmm. is there, is that possible? Sure. You know, and I'm asking that question now. Question. And, and present in that Friday mode, is 
what the disciples walked through, which was yeah. this feeling of we were wrong. Present is a good way. This to wasn't it. this wasn't true. I mean, we we bought into it and it it failed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, even this morning in chapel, we were singing that song. Um, I have resurrection power, and I was thinking about that. Every moment before, after the cross, before the resurrection, was this sense of that was not that wasn't what we thought it was. Right. And resurrection is that moment where he actually comes through. You know, he it's we we have this sense of oh he he is what he said he is he he did what he he came to do but until that moment there's this gap yeah right? and so that now we have the now we have the 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 not i was gonna say the potential but it's more than potential it's like the certainty of light because of the resurrection and now what i'm starting to think is that darkness and light can happen almost simultaneously if not just like one second it feels dark and then all of a sudden the dawn like breaks in you didn't even see it coming yeah. Yeah. and it and for a moment it may just be a moment it might be longer but it might just be that moment oh light yeah. life yeah i felt mm. it did you feel it i felt it just in that moment and then yeah. darkness comes back but without the resurrection you don't ever get that you don't ever get that mo- the moments of light. It just stays dark, and so I'm I'm starting to think that maybe light isn't uh, isn't sustainable. Like everything's great, everything's great, everything's great, everything's great. Sun dies, but everything's still great. Everything's still great. Everything's great. you know okay <laughs> you know. But my right. sun dies, and then wait, okay, I'm I'm finding my way back to light because the light isn't gone. It never stopped. The resurrection still ripples through all of eternity and in yeah. my life, so I just have to rediscover it. I gotta, I gotta fight my way through and find it again, you know, because I want it so desperately. And I, and I wonder if light, if light and darkness. I just, I'm still figuring it out, as you can tell. But it's, hmm. it's a fun journey. It's a great journey. It's not fun. <laughs> it's yeah. awful, but it's a great journey. Yeah. Like, okay, God, I'm still looking. I want to find you today in this moment. I need you. And even the resurrection didn't answer every single question. It's I, I always found it interesting that none of the disciples after Jesus came back were like. So why why like that? What the heck? Why'd you have to do it that way? And why didn't he just take him right then? Yeah, I mean, exactly. He comes back to life when he ascends into heaven. Let's go, everybody! Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Why not then? Yeah. Well, then I wouldn't have been alive. And and, then, and I I would imagine that will you know with, especially with Chase and everything that maybe ultimately this resurrection happens and you're still not like. Oh, and now that's why Chase died. Maybe I, I don't yeah. think that's ever really going to happen. Yeah. But you know, it's still—it's just a part of that. I don't know. It's the process of Jesus. Yeah. It's a, difficult it's a process. It is a—it is a lifetime journey. And to ne- and I've—I've I've been telling my nieces and nephews of, after we lost um, Adam, their cousin, my nephew. I've been telling them, don't give up. Don't yeah. let go. Whatever you do, even as dark as it might get, as even as depressing as it might be, and it is. Don't let go. Just keep holding on. Mm-hmm. Eventually, and I believe this solidly, I believe this with everything in me, eventually the light will come back on. Yeah. I know it. I, I mean, I'm, and I might be crazy, mm-hmm. but my faith says and my experience confirms it that darkness will not, cannot last forever. Hmm. The way of Jesus is going to be starting this week, right? And uh, these themes all the way up through Easter, I think, uh, really feel present and prophetic even um, as we look towards Easter out of um, some seasons of trouble, Mm. just watching as God reassures us that the light is present. So I'm very excited about this. 
Um, please, uh, if you can make it to Westside this weekend as we launch, uh, Pastor Steve, you're going to speak yep. on uh, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. We're yeah. going to talk about the um, couple of the parables and super excited about it. It's the primary parable. It's the parable to know all parables, yeah. Jesus said. Um, the parable of the sower and the farmer selling seed. And so it's, uh, I'm excited about it. Awesome. All right. Well, check that out. If you can't make it, we're at uh, westsidelive.org. And you can always check us out at behindthemessage.org. <laughs>